Exodus chapter 6. That sounds way up. Exodus chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 6. Exodus 6, starting in verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I'll rid you out of their bondage, and I'll redeem you with the stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I'll take you to me for a people, and I'll be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. Let's open in a word of prayer as we start this morning. Dear wonderful and precious and heavenly Father, we just thank you for this chance to be able to spend time within your word once again this morning. Lord, for the chance for us to be able to look to you, to honour you and to glorify you. Lord, we just pray that as we spend time reflecting on your deliverance of Israel, reflecting upon your hand that looked after them and carried them out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, we just pray that we might be able to just focus upon you and see your mighty and wondrous work and see the promises laid out here that you give to your nation and to your people. Lord, just guide your word to our hearts, Lord, and allow us to be able to recognise and reflect about how this reflects upon us and how these, uh, these promises impact upon us as well. Lord, allow us to be able to see your honour and your glory and to be able to walk away to this day praising and glorifying you. Lord, just give me your words, give me your wisdom, give me your guidance this morning. Help me to say what you'd have me to say. And Lord, allow your name to be glorified and lifted up and praised this morning, we pray. In Christ's precious and wondrous name. Amen. When I was studying out my last message in Exodus chapter 6, most of the commentators pointed out these seven I will promises founded in verses 6, 7 and 8. And so I left a note for myself that when I preach next, I would be able to have this seven-point outline on the seven I wills of God. But as I say these throughout this week, I found that they fall into three different promises of salvation to Israel. But most of all, I noticed that each of these promises relate to our salvation. Each of these promises relate to our salvation. So this morning we're going to look at God's three promises of salvation to Israel, but most of all we're also going to look at how they relate to us. God's three promises of salvation to Israel and how they relate to us. Firstly, we see that God promises to deliver them from Egypt. God promises to deliver them from Egypt. Look in verse 6. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I'll rid you out of their bondage, and I'll redeem you with the stretched out arm 
and with great judgments. Previously in chapter 6, God had been talking to Moses and he'd been encouraging Moses in what he was going to do. And we saw that last time when we looked in verses 1 through to 5. And God now tells Moses what he wants him to say to Israel, what he wants him to say to his people. And God starts with the reminder to tell them that he is the Lord. He is the Almighty One. He is the one who is self-existent. He is the one that is over all. And then he begins with the first I will promise. He says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. We can look through Exodus chapters 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5 and see time and time again the burdens that were placed upon the Israelites. The hard times placed on the Israelites by the Egyptians. How they were taskmasters to them. How they were forced to be the slaves of the Egyptians. Where the Egyptians took hold of them and had control over them. Ever since the new king came in who knew not Joseph, the Israelites then had to serve the Egyptians. Day in, day out, week in, week out. They tormented them. They were slaves to them. They had taskmasters whipping them to keep them in line. There was even a time of infanticide where God commanded, sorry, where Pharaoh commanded that all those that were born were to be thrown into the river. All of their children were to be killed. And it made Israel sigh and groan under the great load that they were under. They would have been driven to a point of depression. And they cried out to God. But God was going to deliver them from this. God was going to deliver them from this evil enemy. That God was going to deliver them from the Egyptians. He was going to deliver them from the burdens of the Egyptians. He then follows this up with the second I will promise again in verse 6. And I will, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will rid you out of their bondage. The word rid here is often translated as the word deliver. And actually, in fact, every time this, Greek, uh, this Hebrew word is used... 87% of the time it's either uses the word deliver, delivers, deliverage, something, some sort of word relating to the word deliver. And so God was promising that he will deliver you out of their bondage, out of the bondage that the, the Egyptians are causing upon the Israelites. The word read also means to snatch away. God was going to snatch away his people out of the hands of the Egyptians and take them to a new land. They would no longer be slaves in Egypt. In actual fact, they would be no longer slaves to anyone. God would take hold of his people and make them completely free. God was going to deliver them from all bondage. 
And then we have the third I will promise in this verse. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Once again, this shows God's deliverance. God was going to buy his people back. The word redeem, of course, meaning to purchase or purchase and set free. And it gives the idea of going into the slave market of sin or slave market and purchasing and setting someone free. God would buy his people back, purchase his people using a stretched out arm. The word stretched out arm gives an idea of someone with might, someone with power. It was actually found in all the hieroglyphics. I didn't realise this, but if someone was depicted having two stretched out arms in a hieroglyphic, it actually meant that they were someone of great power, of great might, someone in a place of great authority. So when God says that he will redeem them with the stretched out arm, God is going to show his might. God is going to show his power to the Israelites and to the Egyptians. God would set Israel free using the ten plagues upon Egypt. God would set them free from the bondage they were under. God would set them free from underneath the burdens of the Egyptians. And you know what? Each of these relate to us. You see, at the point of salvation, God set us free from sin. God set us free from that slave market of sin. And Egypt is often used as a picture of sin throughout the Bible. And we were slaves to sin before we came to know Christ. Before that point of salvation, before we trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour, we were at that place of sin. We were under the slave market of sin. We simply just serve sin. But we've been set free. We have deliverance from the burdens of our lost condition, one commentator put it. We have deliverance from the burdens of our lost condition where we are no longer in bondage to sin. We no longer serve sin. We've been delivered from sin. It was all by the blood of Christ because he redeemed us. Just as God said he would redeem the Israelites with a stretched out arm, we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. He bought us from that slave market. One commentator said it like this, at its most basic level, this is what salvation means. Being freed from slavery or delivered from captivity. That's most basic level. This is what salvation means. Being freed from slavery or delivered from captivity. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and starting in verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, 
as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We were not redeemed by corruptible things. We're not redeemed by the things of this world. We were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Redeemed by the lamb without blemish. Redeemed by Christ. We've been redeemed by his blood. Paid for us upon the cross of Calvary. Just as Israel were redeemed and bought back by God from Egypt, bought back from, by God from slavery, bought back by God from their burdens, so also we've been bought back by the blood of Christ. We have been redeemed by his blood. So, of course, the question then comes to us, what should we do in response? What should we do in response? Turn to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians 6 and starting, let's start it in verse 18 to get a bit of the context. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in our body. Because we have been redeemed, because we've been purchased from that slave market, because we've been brought back from that place that we used to be, we are then to glorify God in everything we do. We are to worship and honour and glorify him because of what he has done for us. The price he paid was so great. The price he paid was so magnificent. So we are therefore to live for him. God delivered Israel from Egypt and God has delivered us from sin. What a, glorif- what a glorious reminder it is to know that the price has been paid. There's nothing else that needs to be done. We have been saved by the blood of Christ. God has delivered us from the slave market of sin. Now, if that's all that had happened, it would have been a wonderful thing. I'm sure if Israel would have been just delivered from the bondage under the Egyptians, I'm sure they would have been happy. But God doesn't stop there. God knows that more needs to be done. But once he delivered Israel, then secondly... God promises to make them his people. God promises to make them his people. Look back in Exodus chapter 6 again and verse 7. Exodus 6 and verse 7. And I'll take you to me for a people, and I'll be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. God promises to make them his people. 
And this comes through, through the start of the fourth I will promise. It says, I will take you to me for a people. I will take you to be my people. Israel from this point on would be God's nation. They would be his people. God would take them, his peculiar people, and he would care for them and look after them, taking care of them through each and every step. He even describes them as his peculiar people in Psalm 135. Psalm 135, verse 4. The Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. God has chosen Jacob and chosen Israel to be his peculiar treasure. His people that he would care for and look after. God would set them apart ready to be used for his purpose, ready to be used for his honour and for his glory. One commentator said this, For Israel, this meant that henceforth they, as a nation, would occupy a unique relationship to God. They would be his peculiar treasure, the objects of his special care and favour. From that point on, they would have such a unique and wonderful relationship where they would be his peculiar people, they would be his set-apart people, the objects of his special care and favour. From that point on, they would be his. But not only that, but he would be there. And we find that in the fifth, I will promise again in verse 7. And I will be to you a God. I will be to you a God. He would be their God. A God who would take care of them. A God who would comfort them. A God who would look after them. They would have a mutual relationship where Israel then had a God to serve and God had his people, his set apart people that he would look after and care for each and every step of the way. A God and his people. And he reminds them that he is the self-existent one. Once again, he says, And ye shall know, ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. Once he takes them apart and once he sets them apart, God reminds them that he will be their God. He would set them apart. And he would bring them out from under the burdens of of the Egyptians. Israel were made his people and we also have been made the sons of God. We've been made the sons of God. We are now his people. And he is our God. We are set apart as his people to be able to follow and serve him. Turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And 
and starting in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. God would buy us back from all our iniquities through his Son, Jesus Christ, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, as people set apart for him. God has redeemed us. God has bought us back. He has purified us and set us apart so that we might be able to live righteously, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, allowing us to live soberly, allowing us to live righteously, allowing us to live godly in this present world so that we can look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. God set Israel apart to be his people and God has set us apart as his children. He's made us his children. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and starting in verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I'll be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Israel was set apart from the Egyptians. Israel was set apart from the rest of the nations of the world. And when we come to know Christ, we are also set apart. We are called to be separate. Touching not the unclean thing. And then we are able to call God our Father. And he will be a father unto us and we will be what? His sons and daughters. What a wonderful privilege that is. To be able to know that we are called God's children. Made his children. Israel were made his people and we are made his children. But the promise doesn't just end there. You see, we are not just his children, but we are called joint heirs with Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and starting in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. When we come to know the Lord and we trust in Lord Jesus Christ as our Saviour, then we receive the spirit of adoption. We're adopted to be one of his children. And if we're therefore his children, then we're called heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What a wonderful promise that is. What a wonderful reminder that we are his people. Just as Israel was set apart for God, we are set apart for God as well. We have that promise, the promise given to us that we are joint heirs with Christ. At salvation we become his children and he becomes our God. A God we can serve, a God we can honour, a God we can glorify. We are his children and he is our God. What a wonderful promise that is. But once again though, God does not stop at that point. God does not just stop there making us his people, so and he being our God, God continues to promise them the land. Look in verse 8. And I'll bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I'll give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. Thirdly, God promises to them the land. The land is promised to them with the sixth, I will promise. I will bring you in unto the land. Into the promised land. The land promised to them by to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. We saw that before in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 where God promised the land that they would inherit. And God wasn't just going to deliver them. He was going to give them the land as well. He wasn't just going to bring them out of Egypt. He wasn't going to deliver them out of the slavery of Egypt. God was going to give them this land to dwell in, to live in, to serve him in. He would allow them to escape the perils and the enemies in the wilderness. God would allow them to escape all those things and dwell within this land he had promised them. A land where they could live in and serve him. And it would be called their land. Look at the end part of verse 18. And I'll give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. God gives now the seventh I will promise. I will give it to you. I will give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. It would become their land. The word heritage here means an inheritance. It was God's gift to them. They would inherit this land. This land would no longer be anyone else's. It would be theirs. 
And they would possess it and they would live in it. It was God's gift to them. A land for them to dwell in, a land for them to live and follow and serve God in, a land for them to worship Him. It was all by His sovereign grace. A land He set for them to inherit. And just as God gave the Israelites the land promised to them, what a wonderful reminder as Christians that we have a home assured for us. A home set apart for us. A home built by him, ready for us to go to. Turn to John chapter 14. John 14, starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. A place incorruptible and reserved for you and I. A place set apart by God for us to be able to go that wonderful place called heaven. God set apart the land for the Israelites and God has set apart for us a home in heaven where we can live with him for eternity. God would take care of his, the Israelites and God will take care of us. Where there will be no more crying and no more tears, a place where we can live with him forever. A place set for all those that are in him. All those who are saved. God had a place for Israelites that was flowing with milk and honey. And God has a place for us where we can live with him for eternity. God has here three wonderful promises for the Israelites. He has three wonderful promises as a reminder for us. Israel had a land promised to them and given to them by God. We have heaven. Prepared for all those who are saved. Prepared for all those who have trusted in him. A home for us to live in and to spend eternity with him. Where we can glorify him and live with him forever. What a wonderful promise that is. Israel became his people. So he could be their God. They were set apart for him to be able to serve and follow after him. And we are set apart for him also. And we are to then to follow and serve him faithfully. Where we can have a close relationship with him. Where he can be our God. And we can be his people. And it started because he delivered Israel from their burdens. And their wicked, uh, the wicked ways of Egypt. 
redeeming them by his mighty hand. And we have been delivered from the ways of sin, from the slave market of sin. He has bought us back by the biggest price of all, the blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. What joyous promises these are to be reminded of his great and wonderful love. Praise God we serve a living and mighty king. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We just thank you for your deliverance of Israel, that you took them to be your people and for them to be your God. And you brought them into a new land for them to be able to inherit and dwell in. And so also, God, you saved us from our ways of sin, purchasing us from the slave market of sin, buying us back. And then you allowed us to then be your people, to be your children, your sons and daughters, and joint heirs with Christ. Setting us apart. Just as you set your nation Israel apart. And then you gave Israel the land. The land for them to dwell in. And you've promised us a home in heaven. Where we can live with you for eternity. Lord, help us to remember your wonderful promises and help us to remember your mighty ways and what you have done for us. That in everything we do, we might be able to honour and glorify you. We pray in Christ's precious and wondrous name.